0: Hi my name is Dr. Mark Allendary and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans Hi my name is Doc Griggs and I'm a community medicine doctor and health literacy expert This is the Noise Filter Podcast where an infectious diseases physician That's me and a health literacy and communications expert That's me talk about what you need to know about COVID-19 you can find more information about this show and our other daily live updates and Q&A show at noisefiltershow.com. So let's get started. All right, welcome to Noise Filter. This is Dr. Mark calendari Dr. Griggs is not able to be with us today. So this is one of my favorite segments uh, in which I get to review some of the interesting public health research that has come out in the past week, so let's go ahead and get started. So there were two studies that came out in the past week or so, essentially both by the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, and they were essentially looking at who is more or more likely not to... um, Yes, I'm going to have to say this, to wash their hands. (laughs) So in the first study, they looked at about 5,000 U.S. adults. It was an internet survey. uh, And about 85% of participants said that they always or often wash their hands or used hand sanitizer after coming in contact with high-touch surface in public uh, places. Okay, that's good. Men and younger adults, however, were less likely than women and older adults to practice proper hand hygiene. Wah, wah, wah. Men were 35% less likely than women and to frequently wash their hands. Yo, what's up? You can't do that. You have to wash your hands. If you were concerned about an infection or being affected by COVID-19, you were two times more likely to wash your hands versus those uh, that don't. So in short here, we just need to make sure essentially men And younger adults need to please focus more on washing your hands. Now, along with this came a second study that the CDC did. This time they looked at 4,000 U.S. adults. And again, they were looking to see who would remember to wash their hands after experiencing a respiratory symptom before eating in a restaurant and before eating at home. And what they found was that less than 75% said they were likely to remember to (laughs) I have to say this again, less than 75% said they were likely to remember to wash their hands after having respiratory symptoms or before eating at home or in a restaurant during 2020. And guess what? Men and young adults were less likely than other groups to wash their hands in those situations. Then to go with this study, the CDC created an infographic as well. And the first thing that they said, well, I'll read it to you. It says, during the pandemic, U.S. adults were more likely to remember to wash their hands after coughing, sneezing, or blowing their noses in twenty. Uh, then in 2019. Okay, that's good. But despite this increase, one out of every four people don't wash their hands after these following actions and at the very top is after using the bathroom what's wrong with men and young people after you use the restroom please wash your hands So there were a couple of studies uh, in the past week or two really looking at, at face masks. And so the first one was looking at face mask mandates. And we're gonna start seeing more of these studies coming out as we start collecting more data to show that the mandates in wearing masks actually do work. And so this was one that looked at a mask mandate. Specifically, they were looking, uh, this study actually looked at uh, in Germany and whether having a mask mandate, did it reduce the number of cases And the data did suggest that 20 days after implementation of a mask mandate, there was a 45% lower infection rate when compared to other cities that did not implement mask mandates. So I think the story here and what we're going to start seeing more and more of is that masking is incredibly important and those mask mandates do work. Now, this was another study that was done again with masking because one of the things I hear so much about is that masking interferes with oxygenation or uh, with ventilation, ventilation is when you blow the carbon dioxide out, right? So uh, you inhale oxygen and you blow out carbon dioxide. And let me just again say to everybody who's listening, remember, oxygen and carbon dioxide are made of atoms that form molecules that are so small that it's absolutely virtually impossible to see them by eye. I don't think we ever will, right? Because these are little molecules of energy more than anything else, right? And so that passes through the fibers of a mask very, very easy. but there are still a lot of folks that think that that it does interfere with oxygenation and ventilation. And so this was yet another study. I do report on these because I think that they're important. This was a study looking at elderly individuals. So did masking interfere with oxygenation of those that were elderly. They defined elderly as over 65 years old. They had 25 participants in the study. They wore a three-layered mask, and essentially what they did is they had folks basically rest, then they had them get up and do activities, and they had them rest again, and they did that masked and unmasked, and guess what? Their oxygenation did not change at all between all of those various activities, even though these were elderly individuals, uh, no hypoxemia, Uh, was demonstrated. In other words, there was no levels of low oxygen in their bloodstream. So once again, these two studies show us that mask mandates do work. They do decrease the likelihood of transmission of virus. And more importantly, they do not interfere with oxygenation and ventilation at all. So this next study was, I think, probably one of the most important studies that we've seen in the last couple of months uh, from the perspective of public health. And essentially, in one sentence, I'll I'll explain the details of the study, but in one sentence, what these amazing scientists in South Korea did was documented that an infection occurred from one person to the other after only being in the same room for five minutes and also from 20 feet away, they found that the coronavirus spread indoors. And I'll explain the details in a moment, but... The big take-home here is that this idea of, of 6 feet and 15 minutes is really, this study really shows that that is a little bit more of an antiquated consideration with respect to how to keep public health safety intact. So. Again, this was a remarkable study, and it again demonstrated an infection occurred within five minutes and from 20 feet away at a restaurant in South Korea. And so what the scientists did is that they used a cell phone GPS data and closed-circuit TV The contact tracers were essentially able to determine that there was no interaction between the index case and others that were infected. Also, they had an engineer who specialized in aerodynamics, and they were able to recreate and actually demonstrate the airflow in the restaurant. And so what they found was that the index case was traveling through the area and stopped at the restaurant for a meeting. The patient who, there was two patients actually, but there was, there was one who they in this case labeled as patient A, was seated for five minutes. But here's the kicker, was exactly downwind from the index case. There was a third person that was also listed as patient C, and patient C was also infected and they were at about 15 feet. But the, the uh, index case was able to, just by sitting at a restaurant, having a meal, but just because they were within the air currents, perfectly within the air currents. They did transmit the virus at about 20 feet away. So, again, it does challenge the notion of, of contact being six feet or less. And in the setting of the right ventilation, transmission can occur. And now we've seen over 20 feet away. And it really does impact contact tracing investigations because some of the things that we just can't put two and two together, why, you know, this person was in one room, and this person was in the same room, but just because they weren't together, they were there in the same room for 10 minutes, you know, more than six feet away, contact tracers here in the U.S. would be like, okay, well, that's not a contact. This study shows that it most definitively is, and especially in the setting of the right air circulation, we can see transmission of the virus upwards of 20 feet, even as little as five minutes. So you can see the importance of the study, and I thought it was uh, important for me to share it with you. Just as a reminder that COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus do share the same risk factors. Doc Griggs? Thanks for listening to the Noise Filter Daily Podcast. Dr. Derry and I have a daily show at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, where we go into more detail on stories and answer your questions about COVID-19. You can find Doc Griggs at DocGriggs1 on social media, and you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at D-R-D-E-R-Y. You can follow us at Noise Filter on Instagram, Noise Filter NOLA on Twitter, and for more information about us and the show, you can go to NoiseFilterShow.com. Hey, Doc Griggs, any last words? Remember, get checked, get fit, get moving. And remember to get some rest to boost your immune system. And Doc, protect yourself and others by staying home. And please wear masks when you go outside. Remember, health is a human right.